L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Hey, it's Roy Wood Jr. We're taking a break from new episodes of Beyond the Scenes this week, but we wanted to take another listen to one of our favorite episodes, especially leading up to January 6th. In this episode, I'm joined by supervising producer Ian Berger and contributor Jordan Klepper. They run me through their experiences of going to Trump rallies since 2016. We talk about how Trump supporters have changed through the years, how they've adapted their narratives, and what it was like being on the ground at the Capitol during the insurrection. Here's the episode. Hey, what's up? I'm Roy Wood Jr. Welcome to Beyond the Scenes. Now, here's the thing about The Daily Show when it airs on Comedy Central. It can only be so long because there's other programs and shit that we have to show. But thankfully, we've created this podcast where we can go beyond the stuff that we normally show you on the show to show you how those things are created, to show you the people that helped create those things, to show you where we are going forward with those issues. This is what we have to do because The Daily Show isn't 24 hours long, which if you ask me, The Daily Show should be 100% a 24-hour wall-to-wall news satire program, and we shoot it in Hawaii. Ronnie Chang, I know you're listening to this, and I want to come and visit you in Hawaii. Joining me on the show today are two people who honestly, hell, they both deserve a damn vacation to Hawaii. They go time and time and time again into the MAGAverse exploring the craziness that is Trump rallies and Trump everything uh, since since Trump got into office. Here's a little here's a little snippet of old Jordan Klepper. Whenever I hear president, I think of man. It's a man's job. I may be uh, close-minded. No, yeah, well, no. Um, Misogynistic. <laughs> No. You're voting against your own interests. That's it. Thank you very much. Trump has been grooming his supporters to push back on any impeachment talk with this simple demand. Read the transcript. Read the transcript. Read the transcript. Read the transcript. Yeah. Did you read the transcript? I don't have to. <laughs> Everyone else has. I, I can read it if I need to. But right, yeah. But it's important it's, that it's everybody obvious. reads the transcript. It is very important. Pay attention and think for yourself. Yes. You have, but to oh. be clear, you have not read the transcript. I haven't. No. Right. I've educated myself about this, okay? I don't know all what's in the Constitution. Have you read it? It's pretty short. The Constitution of America? Yeah. I've not read the whole thing, no. You've read the entire thing? Yes, it's remarkably short. All right. I, I doubt that, but it's okay. You should read it, because you might be committing a seditious act in an hour and a half. 
His pieces go viral every time he does them. Joining me is Daily Show contributor Jordan Klepper and our field producer extraordinaire who's always there with them, dodging the blows from the Trump supporters, Mr. Ian Berger. Ian, Jordan, how are y'all doing today? Do it. Good, Roy. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Roy. Excited to be here. You two are an interesting pairing because you all are part of the old guard. Well, we call the old guard in the building. You two are from John, the John Stewart era daily show. And you all have been just banging out. Like, Clepper, I've already told you this a long time ago. It's not fair to rank, so I'm not going to rank. But I will say you are probably, you take the most risks to me as a correspondent for so the number sake one. of comedy. So number one. Yeah. Okay, listen, John Oliver got his nose broken, the camera kept rolling. We both would have went to the hospital. So <laughs> John Oliver tripped and got his nose broken. Let's not, let's not talk about like he was in some hairy situation. Dude was running in a field, tripped for a B-roll guy, got his nose broken. Fuck! Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's just start with the basics. How are you both doing? Like, Berger, I'll start with you because you're, you've been in this shit for years just as, a, just as a part of The Daily Show. But just what does your wife say to you when you okay. go, yeah. hey, baby, it's time to go out again? Is it like Will Smith and Vivica Fox when it was time to go fight the aliens? In, in, in indeed. City? Indeed. It, it was exactly like that. Um, now, my wife's very supportive, there, baby. but um, very uh, also um, rightfully concerned at times. Um, she always checks to make sure I think what we're doing is safe. She asks if we have some security with us, which we do. She asks for our plan if things go south. And then, especially in the last year, she kind of checks our coronavirus um, safety protocols. <laughs> And she'll look at pictures of me from the field and kind of text me immediately and be like, I don't know, I don't feel safe with you being there. And I'm like, I'm here. What am I supposed to do? We're in it. I'm not going to hop on a train back to New York right now. But even pre-COVID, before you all were going out there, things were getting a little, little dicey because, you know, Klepper, the only thing that we ever did on the Republican side of the campaign trail, if I recall, was the 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 rnc convention in cleveland mm -hmm. in 2016 we were going around then and it was a different tone it was a very different tone so how did these pieces start coming together jordan well i think from a very honest point like all jokes aside uh i needed health insurance uh, i was out of a job and it's the <laughs> one thing i can do because everybody else in that building doesn't have the guts to actually go outside and talk to human beings face to face so so once i got through that uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, quite honestly, I, I love doing this stuff. It's so fun doing that, going to the RNC with you, Roy, and Berger and I have been doing this for, for years. Like, it's so fun to be out there in the thick of it. I love the political race. I love being a part of that. I've As, as stressful as going to those rallies were uh, the, the first Trump election, 2016, like, it was really, I'd rather be out there a part of it than watching at home screaming on my TV. So as... The election came up and 2020 came up again. You know, I found myself with the show I was just working on, Klepper, ending, and uh, talked to Trevor and was like, hey, I want to be a part of this. I want to go out and do this. And 
he was game for it. Uh, Berger was game for it. We'd done pieces at Klepper, at Opposition, back at Daily Show as well. So we sort of, you know, Ian and I have been doing this forever and have kind of a shorthand with it and wanted to go out and be a part of it. Uh, it, it I think the experience was different than what we expected. We thought we'd be covering all sorts of angles. Uh, then COVID hits and Trump goes wild and we're suddenly in the middle of an insurrection. So things got different. But as wild as that gets, I'd so much rather be out there in the middle of it. Agreed. I, I, I can honestly say I actually missed it as well. Um, prior to this, I was working on a show that's really not political. And we did one interview on this other show with Elizabeth Warren, and it was like the election was heating up, and I was like, I want to be involved in that again. I really want to be doing mm. that. And same thing as Jordan kind of came back to the show. I was like, let me go out and risk my life, please. <laughs> I mean, it is the fun thing. I will say, like, Berger and I will text back and forth uh, articles, things we're seeing, wild, insane shit. Uh, and you're having this conversation. That's a luxury at The Daily Show to have that conversation. It's so much fun to be like, we're talking about this here and tomorrow we can be on a plane and talk to the person who's starting this conversation or talk to other people that we can't believe if they believe it. Let's go talk to them and see what's going on. So like, <laughs> it is it is the ultimate luxury. It's what's so great about this job is you get to mix it up with those people. Uh, you get to hold their foot to the fire or you just get to see the chaos that is America up close. I'm gonna tell you something that myself and some of the other talent in the building was discussing. Um, after you had your child, you had your first child not too long ago. And we were like, okay, well, we know he's going to do some paternity leave to be a father and bond. And everybody, every talent in the building, we were just like, please, God, don't let Trump do anything fucking stupid while Klepper's out. Cause I don't want to, oh my goodness gracious. Like, it, it was such a relief when you came back to the show, because I, I want to be honest as a black man, I don't want to be out there. How do you deal with the way people look at you when you're showing up to something and you're for sure not welcome? Well, I will say, I mean, you bring up a good point. And Trevor's called this out. Like, I do have the luxury of being a white man in America, which allows me to go to certain places. And that's not the thing that they're focused on. And so I can I can walk into a Trump rally and I can I look I look like all the folks at a camouflage. Trump rally. Yes, I'm, I'm the cam. I'm, I'm asshole camouflage. You, uh, but you look like you look like you're there to hear and see. You, you, you look like an undecided white man at a Trump rally. Yeah, he doesn't have like a sweatshirt on and camo pants. So it's not exactly fitting in. Yeah, it's the kind of guy who's like thinking about buying a hat. He's got his hand on his back pocket, considering, am I really going to wear that like, hat? The I'm bros already in the, the office will think this is funny. Yeah. What if I tell him about this event? It's the guy who's voting for Trump because uh, of economic reasons. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's the guy at that Trump rally. That's what I'm that's what I'm portraying. And our cameramen kind of look like New York guys, like Brooklyn guys. So, like, I think I just think that they hate all media. So it doesn't actually matter what we look like. As you said, Roy, if we're walking around and Jordan has a camera following him and a microphone, he's the enemy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, unless he was like a recognizable person from Newsmax or something, they're they're hostile right away. Are you guys the liberal media? I have one word for you. You are controlled by the deep state. That's like four, five, six words, ten words. That's even two. That one's even two. But that's okay. Nice to be out there amongst my people once more. How's it going, guys? You guys are fake news. You are brainwashed by the cabal. And I have one word for you, fake news. 
That's two words. What's up with your lies? Go f*** yourself, liberal media. Go f*** yourself. You want a message? Go f*** yourself. And that, I think that's always been the thing is there, there's a hostility there mixed with people wanting to, one, engage, and two, attention. And so we get people who want to talk to us. I think that's always the thing that, like, people sign their name saying it's okay for us to use this. Like, they know they're on camera. They want to talk. They want to engage. And so once they've gotten past, oh, that's a person with a camera. I hate all camera. I hate all news. Then they engage. And I think it, it, there has been an evolution over the last few years specifically the last year, both of the Trump voter who's gotten more angry and frustrated at the media, and they went from being winners and in power to claiming they're winners and not in power, and that has changed the whole vibe. And also for, like, our videos were pretty well seen, and so we kind of arrived there as well, and that adds a new element to it. Sometimes it means people want to talk to me more and engage, and sometimes it means we have to be a little bit more low-key because people want to just scream at me whenever I <laughs> pop up my big old head. The hecklers grew as the our, our segments, you know, kind of got more play. Um, yeah. Hey, we're Clever, you're not account. funny. You're not funny. Uh, I don't know what the statistics hey, kid, are on that, but I'm telling funny. you, if Biden Clever. is legit, Clever. he would not... A One second, I got, I got some fans here. You're a wuss. You're not a man of God. I'm not. I'm not no, no, you're atheist. a wuss. You're I'm a wuss, just like Trevor Noah. Aerosols. Aerosols. Thank you, Don. We gotta take a break after that. Fake news! Fake news! Fake news! Fake news! Fake news! Berger, what is the biggest difference to you in Trump supporters, just in the energy of these events from 2016 till now? Because you're yeah. essentially the guy that's got to have Jordan's back while he's in the shit. Yeah, as Jordan kind of hinted, like there was a change. 2016, their their rage was just directed at Hillary Clinton. Like it was like it was so focused, and they were excited. Then they win, and we started doing these events December uh, 2019. So the crowd was like cocky they weren't angry at anything specific and they didn't have a target because biden wasn't the candidate and then as it evolved by they didn't have this rage white hot rage at joe biden the way they had it for <laughs> hillary clinton these extreme nations they don't they don't treat women with respect we treat women with respect here yes we do that's an american ideal yeah tell me about your shirt well, what's it say it says <laughs> hillary sucks <laughs> but not like monica hilarious so we were talking about treating women with respect. It's an American ideal that we treat women with respect. You gotta give me the back of that shirt one more time, that's too much fun. Trump that bitch! <laughs> we don't even see the irony in it. I love it, right? When we started, restarted doing these, um, they were kind of like cocky and feeling good about their, you know, Trump, their place, his place in history, their place as, you know, supporters, and his chances of getting reelected. So, you know, they almost like took kind of jokes and understood it. And we're like, oh, yeah, big deal. But he's the president. We got, you know, we, we got everything. We got the Senate. We got half Congress. We, you know. The thing that I've always hated about 
the Clipper pieces is how some people will try to frame it. Like, I read the I read YouTube comments. I know you're not supposed to. Don't do it, Roy. You're better than that. That's my guilty pleasure. It's you're that or McDonald's, okay? But I like it, okay? You're it's better. Fun. You can do it. It's not good for you. It's not good for any of us. It's too late. I'm already, I, I read them all. I do. I'm sorry. God bless. And there's, there's, sometimes there's always the assertion of, oh, well, you tried to make that person look bad. But as I've always known it in anything that we've done on the show, we're just having a conversation. Present to me your truth and let's just see where this goes. Are you, how do you process these conversations in real time, Clipper? Because there's so many moments that are not scripted. And this person says something and you turn it right back on them. You turn their logic against them literally on a dime. Uh, I mean, it's genius. I mean, it's like, how, how, how would you ask, you know, Einstein to describe relativity? Uh, I mean, sure, he could do it because he knows the theory of relativity. But, I mean, you get what I'm going for here. Uh, there's some things are beyond. Uh, well, I, I will say it's, it's I mean, this it, it sounds hokey. It's preparation and listening. I think what people don't see is the process of this, and it has evolved from the John days to what happened a few weeks ago. But what it has evolved too is like Ian and I know we're going to go out. We're we're we go to an event where people are going to uh, arrive and have opinions on. We see what the news of the week is, what people care about, and we start having conversations about what we hear they think and about the other perspective. And so we start to amass like the conversation beforehand. We think it through. We have what we call joke meetings, where it's Ian and I talking about uh, avenues of conversation, uh, ways to find humor in that. We bring in a writer from The Daily Show who will just brainstorm ideas. And we literally walk out the door with pages of jokes and avenues and places you can go. Now, I will say, not a lot of those make it to the final piece. <laughs> and you'd be shocked. You have four pages, single space, hundreds of potential jokes, and the piece might have one. Uh, but, but it's all worthwhile because we've had the conversations. We see what the issues with the arguments are. And then we go out, and then you got to just fucking listen. I got Ian there, and he's off camera as well. And so we're both listening to this person, and we're talking about like avenues. And once you get out there, you realize... The reality on the ground is different than what it is back in the studio. It's why going out is so important. It's what The Daily Show also does. Like, we are there. And so the assumption you have is, like, everybody thinks this. You might get there, and you might have a page of funny notes and things you want to hit, and you realize they don't think that. So you let it go, and you find that new avenue and start discovering things. And as a guy who comes from improv, all the gold comes from discovery, and all the connections come from listening. And so you pay attention, and you ask a fucking follow-up question because it's the one no. thing that breaks every Trumper's brain. It's that they could be challenged with the question, why? And and you have them walk through why, and more often than not, they don't know why. And so they get caught up in pretzels because, yes, A, I'm a genius, but B, because they haven't thought it through. That's where we get so much of our humor from. Well, Jordan is obviously a genius. He's the thank greatest. You. Thank you. Number uh, one. No, as Roy said, he I, said number one. As Roy said. I, said but, I mean, people understand some of this, and this is Jordan retaining all of the, like, those four pages of questions or jokes in, in an amazing way. But some of this is debate prep. Like, we know that we are going to debate mask usage with people there. And we know, like, so you have to have some of you know statistics ready you have to have some of the science ready and jordan retains that and is ready to go when people are just like oh i heard it you know 
it doesn't it doesn't you know stop transmission and then jordan's like ready with like really <laughs> nobody says that except for all these people say the opposite and so that's kind of like debate prep but in a way like the debate prep happens when jordan and i are on a plane having a drink or at the hotel bar having a drink mm-hmm. and it's like that's what you do you talk through it and then jordan retains so much of it and then presses them and then finds you know, gold in something that we didn't prep for. You know, I mean, I then some guy I... says, he, some guy says he's made more money under you know Donald Trump than he ever did under Barack Obama. And Jordan asks him, "What do you do for a living?" He's like, oh, "I'm a debt collector." And then Jordan lands the joke. Um, so like, you can't prep for that. You just need Jordan standing there asking the question and ready to pounce. Are you in a better place than you were four years ago? Absolutely, absolutely. Is America in a better place than they were four years I ago? I believe absolutely. We have no, higher no. unemployment, we have 200,000 people dead due to COVID, and we have riots in the streets. Yes, let me just tell you this much. Yes, I'm doing much better. I'm literally making four times as much as I was making when Obama was president. What do you do? I work for a debt relief company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now as a debt relief employee, you make more money under Donald Trump. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good to be a white debt relief collector. I do like that so much of it is how much can you retain from the conversation and argument you had at the bar the night before? It's like that is that is a skill set that you'd be surprised how uh, important it actually is. Burger is your drunken sparring partner. <laughs> it is. You go. You order a whiskey or two. You 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 have that uh, conversation. You you read on the news. You argue a little bit, and then you you wake up the next day and uh, with a sober mind, you uh, you have it again. As Jordan said, sometimes you're prepared with like their arguments, and you do that by reading the news and reading Twitter and reading your um, kind of racist. Uh, neighbors Facebook pages, which I do. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Carl. Yeah, thanks for the prep, <laughs> yes, Carl. You have to. And you're ready. And then sometimes they don't bite on any of that, and they they just go down a different avenue. And Jordan is there to pounce, and it's great. Well, all those th- those moments that uh, are that stick out in my mind are all these things that you could never prepare for. Like you know, we went to a rally, and a guy throws his sister, the nurse, under the bus because he doesn't trust any doctors or nurses. <laughs> my own sister's a retired RN. And we're not talking right now because of her beliefs. So when it comes to heroes, there's doctors, there's nurses, and then there's the pillow guy. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned from Mike Lindell? He's a true blue, red, working American man. Which 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 color? Blue, blue and true. He's a blue and true, red-blooded white man. That he's you know got them all in there. Yeah. Or people start talking about racism in a way that you never expected, or. You have the debt collector moment. You, you like all these things come out, and you, you're not going to read that in an article, uh, which is what is so fun about those moments. Well, after the break, we need to talk about what I believe is probably your biggest moment of improv, in which you didn't use any of the prep that you went down there with, and that was the January six insurrection. Excuse me, freedom rally, fun time, good time moment. From January 6th. I want to hugs get and kisses. What, it was hugs and yeah. kisses. Was, yeah, kisses. the Donald J. Trump hugs and kisses <laughs> event from January 6th. I want to talk about that day and just, I, it's all insurrection after this. We're going to go beyond the scenes in a minute. L A S I K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. 
Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Let's talk about the insurrection. January 6th, you wake up, sunny sky, you hop on your Amtrak Acela from New York Penn Station, and you mosey on down to Washington, D.C. When did you know this day was going to go to shit? Uh, I would say 2019, maybe. Uh... (laughs) Like, by comparison... You went to the Million MAGA March. Yes, their number's not ours. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, but that is, I think, we, so we went to the quote-unquote Million MAGA March, the 30,000 MAGA March. A early lot of people, December, right? Yes, early December. Early December. Uh, they were talking about this there. I mean, January 6th was on the calendar back then, and they were angry at the Million MAGA March. They were chasing us down alleys, uh, three security <laughs> cards needed situation. Uh, so I think we knew January 6th was going to be Dicey. We had seen it with the Million Mile March. Uh, I think. I mean, what was it? Was it four security guards we rolled in with, Burger? Like we. I don't we want to ro- say we had a lot. <laughs> we, we rolled in with security, a game plan with not only like how we're going to talk to people, uh, but like where we're going to talk to people because we did get in trouble a few times uh, at the Million Mile March because of location and getting caught in a bottleneck with a lot of people. We have a lot of anger and no place to aim it. And the guy who's from The Daily Show with the camera is an easy enough spot. So we had to be smart about that. So I think we walked into that day on the 6th cautious and aware that it was going to be uh, dicey out there. And then as soon as we got in our hotel the night before, yeah. I heard some crazy stuff. But you go in and everybody's like dressed for war. They're dressed for combat. Like honestly, drove eight hours to D.C. and a couple is there – Dress for combat from head to toe. Three percent so four badges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we we didn't make these jokes when we rolled into the hotel because we wanted to like go to our rooms. But Jordan and I were joking. We we're like, we should definitely ask them what airplane they jumped out of. Like a couple be like, what kind of airplane did you guys just Ooh. jump out of? Look at Ooh. you guys are badasses. It's a lot of military <laughs> outfits, but not a lot of military personnel. Uh, yeah. I will also say the other thing: the night before, you get to a hotel. I, we hadn't. We'd been in so few hotels because of COVID in the last year, and everybody's nervous about it, rightfully so. And we arrive masked up, and it's clear we are, (laughs) 
we're, we're perhaps from the other side because we're actually Fake wearing masks. Fake <laughs> We're Fauci masks. You and your Fauci, your Fauci. The whole, the whole place is teeming with people. There's, there's, all the bars are shut down. I don't want to make this all about drinking, but occasionally you have a drink the night before. Uh, <laughs> the one place that sells drinks is the bar that's in the hotel, but they won't let you sit. But you can buy a drink and come up to your room. But there are just people hanging out in their fatigues, their MAGA gear, not six feet apart, all throughout the lobby. Like you're walking through a throng of people angrily trying to get Budweiser, uh, no masks, stepping out. And you see the hotel staff even just nervous there. And we're sort of like, this is already has an energy of people who are like, we don't care. We're not going back up to our rooms. We're not putting on masks. We're not separated. We're hanging out in this lobby. We're drinking booze. And we're talking about what's going to happen tomorrow. So you could feel that energy. Uh <laughs> I mean, I imagine I must have waited 15 minutes to try to get an elevator to go up alone and have so many awkward let's conversations. Go, let's like, go. Come on in, come on in. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for the next elevator. If you, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, come on in, come on. In. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. I know, I know. Uh, and then, weird. and then the next morning, we kind of assemble in the lobby with, you know, meet Jordan, get him mic'd up, get the cameras ready to go, because like. We kind of just walk out the door and we're ready to start shooting, usually. That's because you never know there might be something on the street. And like people are, you know, so angry and like aggro then. And I'm like, we're not shooting anything in the lobby or near our hotel. We're going to start walking to the Trump rally. He had an actual rally in the ellipsis. And we stopped to laugh, but didn't actually shoot this because we were kind of hustling. There were all these MAGA people taking selfies with this quote on a wall. And it's a quote about the First Amendment. They love it. They love the First Amendment. Get my picture there. They didn't realize the wall was part of the museum, a museum dedicated to the institution they hate the most. <laughs> so there the was like group after museum. group taking pictures of themselves in front of the museum. <laughs> R.I.P. Museum, by the way. I know. <laughs> R.I.P. It was great. We found ourselves, though, from there, we're, like, we're then like trudging to the speech. And there is just this wild line down Pennsylvania Avenue to try to get to this speech. Where again, we're we're being cautious about what we shoot at the time because people are not in good moods. We don't want to start an issue this early in the morning. And so we kind of all just this giant line of MAGA folks and incognito media just trudging the way towards the White House. I, I was being a giant pussy is what Jordan's saying. I was like, don't I, interview I, anybody yet. Don't interview anybody yet. Let's so get them. So, Burger, your plan basically went from prepping, well, what type of conversations do we ha- want to have to where is the safest place to even fucking stand still for 30 minutes? Jordan, where was the safest place to stand? You'd be surprised. We literally, the safest place for us to stand was outside the Museum of African American History. Uh, no joke, we're walking around thousands and thousands. You're welcome. There we go. See? <laughs> Thank you, Roy. Thank you. Is that, is that, <laughs> I should be thanking you? <laughs> it, h- hilariously, it was the one area where there was space. People weren't congregated. It was not open, but we could go up and be around that area uh, and away from the throngs of folks outside of the White House cheering on Mr. Donald Trump at the time. It, it, okay. Berger did a great job with this. And honestly, it, it is true. You're, you're constantly balancing like the energy of that day. And it's, it's a scary day. People, people, are, people are saying some really scary stuff as you're walking through it. I do love to get out there and I want to interview and talk to folks, but you gotta be really careful and you gotta be smart about it. And so like Burger's constantly balancing like 
yes, we need to talk to people, but we also need to talk to multiple people over the course of the day. And if you talk to one person who freaks on you and a bunch of people chase you down, then that that's it. We need to be safe first. So the day more than any other field piece we ever shot had so much internal calculations about what we actually can shoot and when. Okay, Berger, to that point then, at what point did you start to feel, oh, shit? Like, uh, it, we knew it could be bad. It could be dicey. But when did you feel confirmation this shit is the worst maybe we should think about leaving oh i think yeah i think we i kind of didn't want to get too into the crowd at the trump rally because if you got too into the crowd at the trump rally that crowd needed to do a 180 and then walk back to the capitol and we knew that the capitol is where the action was going to happen like even in december as jordan said these guys were like we're going to the capitol and i was like we have to be there when they arrive because if we were behind the crowd, we'll be 10,000 people away. So we started walking away from the Trump rally towards the Capitol, and the crowd thinned out. So in a way, for a while, we were like, this is all right. It's pretty chill. There's no one yelling at us. And we were just slowly walking to the <laughs> Capitol. We get to the Capitol kind of ahead of, I would say, 99% of the crowd. And as soon as we get there, the Proud Boys walk by, which is always a cheerful experience. Oh, and then, <laughs> yes. And then we're going to do a stand-up. And I think Jordan was like, oh, my God, they're knocking the fence down. And we're like, oh, that's right there. We saw them knock the first fence down. And we're like, okay, this is just going to get so much worse from here on out. Proud Boys are here. As we were setting up for a quick stand-up, we noticed another large group marching aggressively down the street. The Proud Boys all passed by again. We settled in a spot just outside the northwest side of the Capitol because we knew that at around 1 p.m. that angry crowd would be arriving there from the White House. And we knew that if things got hairy, it gave us the best escape route to the train in our cars. And then words became actions. The barricades got pushed over and folks flooded in. We're starting to see this mass of people. They broke through the gates here and now they're heading into the the Capitol. I'm hearing people say it's our house. I heard some old man start screaming forward, forward. It's our house. It's a democracy should look more uh, organized than what we're seeing right now. But we've been organized. We have to do something else. They don't do it properly. They don't go We pay for the heat. It's time to go inside. Jordan's kept walking backwards close to the Capitol. I was like, I don't know if we need to. Uh, let's make a joke here. Let's do it here. <laughs> That's it, like, because when did Viacom call? That's the bigger question. When did they start texting? When did the wives, where are your wives at this point? Oh my God. My, well, first of all, my wife, who is the best, I love her dearly, favorite person in the whole world. When I was coming home after the flashbangs and people were inside, I, I had all these text messages from friends who were like, I heard you were there. What's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I called my wife to be like, I'm okay. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you watching Are you watching the news? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm just, I'm busy. I, you have so much, to, you're doing your work. What, can you let me do this? I'm like, there's, they're inside the Capitol right now. There's an insurrection going on. She's like, really? <laughs> so like, so she was a little <laughs> less to it. I, I will say she was not as interested in the events of that day uh, as I was, or even the one like high school friend who I haven't talked to in twelve years, who was like, "I'm going to, I'm going to check in on Jordan today." He, 
He, Ted beat out my wife at that point, as far as interest and care goes. But um, but that's what parenting does, bro. Parenting, <laughs> you're gone. She's there with the boy. <laughs> you call her, and she's like, I have our child. I'm doing mom stuff. Just whatever. This kid has a bright future ahead of him. You already made your choices. You've got half your life behind you. I can't worry about you today. Did you get the alarm to leave Burger, or did, or did that come down from corporate? So, no, we were shooting, and Jordan and I were basically like, this is getting bad, and our one our security guys was like, you know, you're okay here. The thing I fear is if if Capitol Police react in force and this mob turns around to run, you're going to get trampled. The Capitol Police, this is the, the tragedy of that day. It took forever for National Guard and reinforcements to show up. So that didn't happen, but they were like, you guys should wrap up very soon. And we had a train to get out of town. So we were like, we're going to do one more stand-up. And Jordan did this stand-up. And on the fly, flashbang grenades go off. And he you know, totally unscripted, two-camera, references it. And I was like, that's, that's perfect. Let's get the hell out of here. And security had a – they kind of had a path for us to get out of the crowd. And we started leaving. And then the, in their earpiece, they heard of a police chatter. They're like, oh, people are inside the building right now. You should definitely get out of here. So then we hustled out of town. The Trump presidency was going to come to an end. This, this seems fitting. A show of aggression ending with a bunch of people screaming at a building without a working understanding of how democracy works. America, 2021. Thunder, cannon, tear gas. Let's not wait to find out. You lead the way. All right, here we go. And we knew it was time to leave. Did you all see any other news outlets? Did you? What was the feeling? You know, how, like in those war movies, where like the like the beat up Marines pass by a van with the beat up Army people, and the battle's over, and they just both give each other a, a slight salute, like "Hey, we survived." Did you see any other members of the media? Was there any time to even sit and talk with them at all? Not that day. No, I think that day. I mean, you're you're passing by people as everybody's trying to catch what's going on. Um, I would say my, my experience leaving though was surreal in that like uh, I took a car out of uh, you know essentially COVID safety and sometimes being on the train can be you know there's sometimes issues there as well so I drove down and I, I drove back but so my four hour drive back to New York I was just listening to Sirius Radio uh, CNN or MSNBC or one of the news outlets just their live stream of what was going on and so I I had a four-hour drive alone up the American East Coast listening to the sound of these broadcasters like witness an insurrection and the fall of the capital in a way that was... Yeah, like it was incredibly surreal and haunting. And, you know, we make a lot of jokes about this. And and it was was such a sad day and a ridiculous day. Like you have to almost live with the duality of, of America in that moment where... Like, we're watching this sacred building, this building that I used to come down as a kid. My parents, we didn't take many vacations. We went to D.C. and we learned about the important monuments and the, the, uh, the, the great history of our country. You're watching it be desecrated. You're watching people say awful, horrendous things about other American citizens. Uh, and at the same time, you're watching a man on a Segway try to drive up and uh, overthrow the strongest government on Earth. Can, can, I, can I ask you some questions? Are you afraid? If you run out of batteries for the last stand, then you'll be thwarted. Uh-oh. Good luck. I hope you don't run into bumpy terrain or stairs. 
it's ridiculous and it's it's sad and it's both of those things and I felt like all throughout that day you're constantly confronted with this of it being the worst day and also the most ridiculous day at the same time. Yeah, you had you had that tragedy of your drive out. I had to sit behind these two white women drinking rosé on the train in front of me and they were actually they took part in the insurrection. They had all their maga gear on and they're actually having a conversation about can you believe all the crime in the cities these days? It's like, you committed the crime. You oh. went to the city and were part of the crime. And now you're like, look at those people in the cities. Democrats and minorities commit lots of crime. You're, it's you. They got off in Wilmington, Delaware, if you want to find them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Susie and Patty in Wilmington, thank you so much for listening to me. I'm sure they're listening right now. After the break, I want to talk with you all about some of the more interesting characters over the time that you've gone into the MAGAverse. This is Beyond the Scenes. We'll be right back. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Burger, Clipper, who have been some of the more memorable people that you all have met on the campaign trail out there? I think we have a lot of, we have a lot of fun characters. I, Honestly, it runs the gamut from, you know, characters who are infuriating to the the, the lovable characters, the characters you see multiple times. Burger and I laugh about uh, uh, someone who stood out to us, I think, a lot about on that day, January 6th, uh, was a man who was wielding a pitchfork, which would seem like the most aggro, hysterical man there on the January 6th. As we were approaching him to talk, he was interrupted by another man who was screaming obscenities who was even more hysterical than the pitchfork guy. We found filming on the National Mall was a safer, more effective way to get real conversations for a while. Then we found a man acting unhinged with a pitchfork. This is a warning! We can mobilize a million people to any city in this country now. 
Make no mistake, that's the situation. That's right, man. We're not playing around. Who was interrupted by a man acting more unhinged. How come we got a million people at the monument when over there's where they're screwing us? How come nobody's over there? How come we're not down to plenty of you all come down here and film Congress putting it to us? All you all mother all y'all. The really unhinged guy angered the sort of unhinged guy wielding the pitchfork. I speak for myself. Okay, he speaks for himself. Like the pitchfork guy looked at the <laughs> other hysterical man and was like, I'm not that's, with that that's crazy too much. guy. I'm not with that. You're like, I'm not with Whoa. him. I mean, Whoa. I am. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I am. Like, I will be in the Capitol with him shortly. <laughs> we literally had to get away from the, the more hysterical man and take the pitchfork guy to a separate area where we could calm down and hear... <laughs> The political thoughts Let's of pitchfork good. We need guy. some space. Have a rational conversation. That's Sir, can you hold the pitchfork up a little higher? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it doesn't Lord. read that way. Yeah, that guy was amazing. When Hershey, Pennsylvania, this guy came over to me. He's like, I want to be on camera. I was like, sure. He's like, I got a rap song. I was like, all right. This could be like some for credits. And then George starts talking to him. And then you notice something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was he had a he made his own shirt and on the back of the shirt it had uh, the next seven presidents or what he thought was Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka, Eric, etc., etc. So why are you here? Well, because two weeks ago I had a dream, and in that dream I was given this vision. <laughs> you, you, had, you had a screen printing dream? Your dream told you that Trump is going to win, and then Ivanka, and then Don Jr., and Eric. Tiffany is going to win in 2048, and then Barron. Great. All right. Uh, but Barron only serves one term. Oh, no, two terms. No, that's only one term. That's four years. Yeah, actually, these are mostly one-term presidents. No, you're, re you're not reading it right, brother. No, I'm like 20. No, this is tw 24 to 28. That's then, four years. And then another four. No, no, no. That's these are one-term presidents. Uh, Ivanka, one term. Don Jr., one term. For Ivanka, what's the what's the date? Ivanka is 2024, and 2028. That's eight years. That's four years. <laughs> and honestly, I I found him delightful in that he didn't get. He didn't get angry with me. He got frustrated, and we, we kept, but, but you realize this is what it feels like oftentimes at a Trump rally. It's like you're looking at numbers, and one of you sees one thing, and another person sees a totally different thing. I will say, I will give credit to the fans of The Daily Show. That piece tickles me whenever I watch it, but people have pointed out the thing that I didn't see uh, as we were talking to him was he misspelled America at the bottom. <laughs> so... Kudos to the Daily Show fans for pointing out probably the, the biggest irony that was on that shirt that I wasn't genius enough to catch. Are you ever worried about punching down in a situation like that? Like where, granted, you were kind of discovering this all in the moment, so it's not the same as something a little more premeditated. But I, when you're having these discussions with people that clearly have not put all, have not connected all of the dots, are you ever worried about how you're perceived in your interactions with them? Sure. I mean, I think with The Daily Show, it's important not to punch down. And I think you always want to hold, you know, look to those in power and challenge them. I think when you go to these rallies, you have to be careful. There are people that we talk to that we don't put in these pieces because it does feel like it's going over the edge. or It feels like they don't have their faculties about them in a way that felt like we're just making fun of them for that. Uh, that being said, I also think these have been odd trying times. And I think the... Uh, the vigor and some of the vile of the masses are what propelled the guy in charge to make some of these decisions. And I think they could be easily swayed by some of this, this hateful rhetoric. And so I, I feel like it's fair to push them on some of these things that have led to, led to some pretty disgusting things in our, uh, in our last few years. And so 
So I think you have to constantly have that conversation. Let's not just poke fun of what they're wearing. We could maybe have some fun around that, uh, yeah. but let's try yeah. to get to the the source of it. The thing that always interests me is, I think, I've said this before, but I think like contradiction is so fascinating to me because I think it's it exposes the lie that you're telling yourself. And more often than mm. not, you see these people thinking through things for the first time, holding these two opinions that are contradictory, uh, and me putting them right up against one another. And I think it really is often at its best revelatory of of a whole swath of the population who thinks these multiple things that uh, maybe don't totally add up, but think them all at once. And I think we're able to kind of, to give context to that away uh, when, when we find success with it. Yeah, I, I think we're, I think Jordan raised a good point. Like we want to be respectful and we're grateful these people will talk to us. Although I think we want to make a special shout out to anyone on January 6th who went into the Capitol building. We have noticed some of the people that we've talked to at past rallies have now popped up <laughs> Uh, somebody we talked to at one of the early rallies popped up and is facing charges because he brought uh, weapons into the Capitol that day. And so I think like sometimes there is criticism of like, oh, these are just these are just folks and their ideas and they're maybe a little bit misguided. These are people bringing guns into the Capitol trying to overthrow the government. And so I, it, it is uh, <laughs> sometimes it's tough to wrap your head around. I feel like to a degree there is something with regards to accountability. You voted for a man that did the things that fucked up all these people's lives in all of these different ways. But I sometimes find myself feeling a sense of pity towards some of the Trump supporters who just, you just bought the lie. Berger, how do you think the Trump supporter has changed over the last uh, Yeah, years? I, I, I think, well, he lost the election, so he obviously lost a bunch of supporters. And that's a big difference between... 2020 and 2016 and the people he lost are people who are i want to say more rational obviously and so those people you encountered less frequently at the recent rallies and then i would say kind of what sticks with us the most recent event things we went to were the one in december and the one in january and that self-selected group of very angry very you know unfriendly people so that's kind no of like sympathy. you're right. It's hard to for it's hard for me to have sympathy for the people we talked to on those days because they were threatening. The I walked out of the hotel on, on December sixth and made eye contact with this woman. We smiled at each other. It's morning. I'm going to get a cup of coffee, and then my eyes looked down and she has Kyle Rittenhouse to had no, did nothing wrong T-shirt. So it's like yeah, I can't mm. talk. To, I can't see you. I can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a lot of that still. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. These people were misguided and led astray. And I hope that if he fizzles out, they'll come back. <laughs> the thing I empathize most with is like, I think humans uh, need to feel like they belong and they need to feel like they have a purpose. And so I get it. Initially, this felt like you could join the team. You could go to a rally and it felt like uh, you know, college football or uh, any other tribe that you could be a part of. You're here. And guess what? You're not only here a part of this team, you're doing something important. You're saving our democracy. You're saving America. So now, boom, you, you belong to something and you have meaning. I think those are powerful things that, honestly, it's something I search for. I think all humans search for. That I totally yeah. get. I think like 
what, what has become frustrating is that like the evolution of it is like you can throw more chaos on there. Everybody's still so bought into the team. Ian brings up a good point. He did lose. People have shifted over. So it's not the same team. But those that we talk to who are still diehard Trump stuff, there's not a new thing with Trump that's going to come on that are going to make them change. They've, they've, they bought the lie. They bought the team. This, the last one we went to it was a Mike Lindell event. And I think what was fascinating to me about that oh, event was yeah, the Mr. My Pillow was how quickly, how quickly they gave Mike Lindell the status they gave Donald Trump. The people we talked to there saw him as like a savior. They said, he sees it like I see it. He speaks the truth. He has the guts to say it. Like the way they talked about him was as if he's been on the scene for decades, speaking <laughs> truth, fighting for the good fight. Like this guy sells pillows and he's gotten into politics in the last few months. But you're giving him all the credit of a savior. What is Mike Lindell talking about that you agree with? Well, just the whole fraud of the election. He's got the proof, you know. The proof is there. What makes you know that Trump won? His own Department of Justice says there was no fraud. Just, well. So you don't trust the Department of Justice? Oh, no. You trust my pillow guy? Well, I wouldn't go quite that far to say, you, you know, I trust what he's saying. You Do you trust what he's saying? Yeah. Oh, so you would? Yeah. You would go that far? Yeah. That's exactly where you went? Yeah, yeah. They need a God to tell them, what is right and what is wrong, and that they are a victim, and that if they stick to the the good side of things, they will be they will be righted and righteous. And I think like that didn't leave, and it was a little bit scary to see how quick you could sub in a fucking pillow salesman, and he got <laughs> all the credit that they gave somebody else who at least had a career, decades of uh, debauchery and assholishness to to rely on. Jordan, but as you said, the my pillow guy event. It was certainly it was hysterical how they latched onto him, and they're like, "He's he's a great patriot. He he speaks the truth." It's like he's he literally just advertises his pillow. Um, but the, it, the nature of that event wasn't hostile. It no. was people who are like, "It's a town. It's a fair, and there's nothing else coming through this town this month that I want to go to. So I'll go to that thing and put on my MAGA clothes again." Yeah, you know, like they ha- all still have the clothes. If somebody's going to invite you to come to the costume party, they're all like, I'm going to win that costume party. If Trump is reinstated in 2021, do you think the Democrats will accept it and allow our nation to heal? I think there's going to be a lot of whining still. Yeah, they're just not going to let it go. They're going to be whining in a field months after everything's already decided. Anyway, are you excited about being out here in a field to watch Trump on a Jumbotron? Is is he going to be on the Jumbotron? We don't even know. Knows. I think it's parades. It's always like if a parade comes to your yeah. town, you show up. And I think more often than not, that Trump rally is a parade. So people are going to keep showing up. So then what's next for Trump supporters? Do they still have some leverage in the Republican Party? Or is this just political cosplay akin to Civil War reenactments for the next couple of years until I guess it all dies, dies away? I mean, I think I think the storyline is the Republican Party has crumbled and is 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 so desperate to be loved by that minority of the population that is all in on MAGA like yeah sadly they have a I think they have a ton of power I think you see it with Kevin McCarthy you you see him bending over backwards to perpetuate the big lie to try to make these folks happy and not mad at him and I think that's what's I think that's what's so sad and what's so so scary is that what has been passed on is like this is how you chum the waters to get these folks on your side and so i think trump can leave but they're still using the chum the waters uh tactic to get people on their side so yeah those those supporters hold power again they're not the majority of people 
they're they're a minority, but the the democracy has been crafted around a way in which they have an outsized voice, and you have craven politicians who are going to try to to utilize that however they can, and so. So sadly, I don't think it's just a laughable thing of like, oh, this is going to fade away. I think it's still such a potent part that's that is quite literally pushing and controlling the the narrative of that whole party. So what I'm hearing from you, Klepper, is that you and Berger will continue to go into the MAGAverse for as long as there is one. Is that what's next for you two? <laughs> healthcare sustained, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Ian and I have always thank been. You Donald and, Trump. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> thank yes. you, Donald. Thank you, Mr. Trump. He, he gave he, you healthcare, Clipper. <laughs> I know. He thank you, would. Mr. Trump. Everybody's like, "What is his healthcare plan?" He hasn't. He said he has one. What is it, guys? This is the healthcare plan. Thank you. <laughs> Go to employ satirists for a long time. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, no, I think I, the the as Jordan said, this there will be events and for. There are always events, but there will be events that gather this group of people that are essentially a Trump rally, but a little bit about something else. Critical race theory, outrage, um, anti-mask, outrage, mm. anti-vax events. It's that's gathering the same people using the same mechanisms like the, it's probably even using the same Facebook group. So it's like this is the Trump MAGA group in Huntington Beach. We're doing this thing. And everyone who's part of the Huntington Beach Trump MAGA group will come to the anti-vaccine thing. So he may not be there physically. It didn't matter. They all went to the Mike Lindell thing. He wasn't there. I think Trumpism is around for the next four years. I think we don't need to chase the Trumpism, but we're curious to continually uh, at least track the conversation and see uh, where they're at. So that's, that's where we'll be heading. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for putting your lives on the line repeatedly in the name of comedy. While I get to kick it in an air-conditioned building with Trevor Noah. That must be real nice, Roy. It must be real, real nice. I can't relate. I've been doing Zoom chats because of COVID the last year. Come out with us. Come out with us. The dangerous world of Zoom. We're going to get back out there, you and me together. All right, Bone Brothers. We're going to hit it up one more time. I never have more fun than when I'm out on a field piece with you, and that is a fact full stop. The cop one... The Bone Brothers joint, and then the, the thing with Clyburn. The, I, the people like, what is Bone Brothers? You just, you gotta Google that. Google one. it, everybody. Sorry. I 100 percent honestly. We 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 have so much fun for the Daily Show nerds out there. It is so much fun to have two correspondents going out and playing around. And you you are just the best out there, and so much fun to play with. So the the in in a different world where COVID didn't happen and a left became a right, I think we were hoping to do some more figure the pulses where you and I could have hit the campaign trail and, and, and had that experience a little bit more. So we still can. Yeah. We still can. There's still time, brother. Twenty twenty two. He is <laughs> Daily Showfield producer Ian Berger and he is the second most risk taking correspondent in the history of the Daily Show. He is Jordan Klepper. I'll take it. Number one is Ronnie Chang. He ate a full stick of butter on live television. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Ronnie you, you're not in Iowa anymore. You don't, you don't have to eat that. I'm not, I can't stop eating fried butter. <laughs> I respect everything you did, but Ronnie Chang ate a stick of butter. <laughs> I, that, I, get, I now, get that maker. You know what? I, I would not eat a stick of butter. That to me. I, mean, also, I know you were there where, you know, the, the insurrection was pretty bad, but I don't know if you've ever just 
eaten a stick of fried butter before. You know what? I'm from the Midwest. Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Boys, thank you all. Thank you, Roy. Thanks, Roy. Beyond the Scenes will be back with a new episode next week on Tuesday, January 4th. If you like what you heard, we'll be going deeper into January 6th with Jordan Klepper and special guest MSNBC's Chris Hayes. You don't want to miss it. See you next week. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.